This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. We go through this cycle over and over again. There's a mass shooting, and immediately there's an effort to try to use this, to try to exploit the crisis for political points. I can't tell you how many people I had already just in, in my own world of of social media and trying to share thoughts and opinions. I was referring to Governor Kristi Noem's transgender bill in South Dakota, and I had all these comments about how why won't you talk about the quote Trump supporter end quote they would say who just engaged in a mass shooting. This the the white supremacist Trump supporter that engaged in a mass shooting. Uh, there was no evidence whatsoever to support that that was what happened. There was none when this was being said last night, and yet they went with it anyway. They decided that it was too useful in this moment of heightened emotions and sense of crisis to bash political opponents who weren't even talking necessarily about this awful incident. And this is what you see, uh, people that leverage the internet for their own power that that use social media as a weapon and unfortunately the social media companies themselves are increasingly a political uh, weapon they use this to silence those ideas those groups those individuals who they view as outside of the mainstream or somehow opposed to the dominant democrat consensus but you can do something about this when you anonymize your connection You can surf the Internet freely without wondering who's going to get a hold of your search history or your viewing habits or what they'll do with that information, because what they have now, who knows what it will be in five years, how much more in depth they're going to go. You know, China has a social credit system in place that makes determinations about you based upon what you do online, what what apartment you can rent or house you can buy and all sorts of information down to the very granular. We have even better technology here if it's turned against us. So take technology into your hands to take action against this. That's what you can do with ExpressVPN. When you search for something online, you watch a video, you click a link, you know that the big tech companies can trace you using that device's unique IP address. But when I use ExpressVPN, these companies can't see my IP address at all. My identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server, and my data is encrypted for maximum protection. Besides hiding all my internet activity, what I like most about ExpressVPN is how easy it is to use. Stop handing over your data to big tech companies and the government. Defend your rights with the VPN I trust for online protection. Visit expressvpn.com slash buck. That's expressvpn.com slash buck. You'll get three months of extra protection free. Expressvpn.com slash buck. A horrific mass shooting in Boulder, Colorado, at a grocery store, and what do they do right away? What do they decide must happen? Politicization. We can't even wait for the basic facts to come out. We can't even know the person's name. And already, I can tell you, last night, all over the place, there were charges flying about how this must be a white supremacist. It must be a Trump supporter. Maybe it was somebody from the Capitol Hill riot. The stuff that was being said and shared, including from people who work in media and are supposed to have some ethics, supposed to have some standards, was appalling. And now today we find out more information and we can see that the people who were wrong or jumped to conclusions, they don't care. It doesn't matter. It felt good for them in the initial stages, to bludgeon their political opponents for something that has nothing to do with them. It was gratifying for leftists to use this tragedy as an opportunity to push their agenda. And we keep going through this. It stretches back years. It stretches back to the Obama administration, to Sandy Hook, to terrible incidents, mass shootings before that, to Columbine. And we come to the same Democrat claims that are rooted in emotion and demonizing people who are lawful gun owners, who believe in the Second Amendment to advance a political agenda. Eventually, they, they don't win, usually. They back off of this issue because people learn that what they're recommending would not have prevented the incident at hand and, in fact, would do very little, if anything, to help 
anyone when it comes to gun violence. But ultimately, this is about the underlying philosophy of Democrats wanting to disarm you. All of you, everyone, they do not believe that individuals should be able to own weapons in defense of themselves and as a defense against tyranny from the state. They do not believe in it. And everything that they say other than that is just incrementalism to that same end, trying to take guns out of the hands of people who are law abiding and who do nothing, nothing wrong, not only with those firearms, nothing wrong in general. But first, let's get to the facts as we know them, the details of this case. Uh, This is the Boulder Police Chief Maris Herald earlier today. Play 19. 40 p.m. on Monday regarding the suspect at approximately 2.40 p.m. on Monday, March 22nd, officers were dispatched to King Supers on Table Mesa Drive. Officers arrived on the scene within minutes and immediately entered the store and engaged the suspect. There was an exchange of gunfire, which such best was shot. No other officers were injured. The suspect was taken into custody at 3.28 p.m. He was transported to the hospital for treatment, now in stable condition. This suspect has been identified as Ahmad Alyssa, 21 of Arvada. He has been charged with 10 counts of murder in the first degree and will be shortly transported to Boulder County Jail. 10 counts of murder in the first degree. Is this an act of terror? I saw people insisting that it was before we knew anything about the shooter. I saw Democrats leaping on this as an opportunity to push an agenda that this is somehow tied to Trump. Everything that is awful. These people are mentally, absolutely committed to the notion that anything that is awful and terrible and bad can be put on Donald Trump. He's the ultimate boogeyman, and they won't let it go. This has nothing to do with Trump, and no intelligent, honest person would say otherwise. But they were. It was all over the Internet last night, all all over the commentariat, you know, the commentators on the left. That's what they were saying. That's what they were telling people. And uh, we we now know that the individual, uh, Ahmad, I've seen it said and spelled two different ways, but His first name is Ahmad. There's a good chance that what they're saying is Alyssa may be an alternative spelling, but it's Ahmad Al-Issa. We don't know anything about this man, uh, about his mental health as I speak to you now. And this is going to be rapidly evolving and changing. We're going to learn about the social media footprint. We're going to learn about what his neighbors and friends said. All those things are going to come in. But one thing you have to understand is that the people that try to exploit this before they know anything, who seize upon emotion, who call the NRA a terrorist organization, that was done yesterday, who say the NRA should be treated like a crime family ordering murders. And the people that say this insane stuff, when the facts actually come out, if the facts largely or entirely contradict the initial narrative, they're not sorry. They're not even embarrassed. That's the point. This is about the exercise of raw power. This is about exploiting emotions. This is about getting people angry at the other so that you can get the angry people to do and believe what you want them to. The same way I've I've told people that you have to have a different a different understanding of hypocrisy. The left does not care about being hypocritical when they have power. They use it. When they can enforce different standards, they will, just like all autocrats, just like all dictatorial regimes. They don't shy away from this. They don't view it as a problem. They don't care. They just do it because they can, because they get away with it. The same thing is true about the immediate exploitation of a mass shooting like this. They view it as an opportunity for a political agenda and also to to exercise some of their disdain for the other side use it as an excuse to scream uh, abuse at people who they disagree with politically on other things that have nothing to do with the actual shooting itself so they're not sorry about this they don't view this as a moment where they should be more honest or they should do some introspection no When a MSNBC watching New York Times reading lib 
screams at you online and says, see, another white supremacist Trump supporter shot up a bunch of people in Boulder, Colorado. And there's no evidence to support that. And we, we don't have any reasonable uh, connection between these between these things uh, based on the facts at hand. And then even when they're proven to be untrue, they don't care. Because they enjoyed disparaging you. They enjoyed that those moments in time when they felt really righteous, really virtuous for trashing you. For trashing the millions and millions of Americans who own uh, firearms legally across the country and who are a bulwark against tyranny. And let me say, a tyranny from the government that we increasingly should take very seriously. Okay, freedom is at the lowest ebb in this country in my lifetime that's a fact worse than it was after 9-11 with some of the overreaches and some of the uh you know the the government actions there at least domestically i'm talking about internally the worst place freedom's been in my lifetime so that's going on 40 years and the democrats are set on doing everything they can while they can to make sure that you do not have the right to bear arms they're going as far on this as they possibly can, as, as far as they can get away with it. Uh, this is why I, I get so frustrated, because the people that have been that spent four years calling for a need for greater honesty from, let's say, Donald Trump. They come into office the Biden administration. It's just lies all over the place, constantly lying to you, lying about their intentions, lying about the numbers at the border. Oh, we'll get into that. Lying about a lot of things, things that matter to you. OK, not not lying about a crowd size or or the size of one's hands or lying. about you know, all the things that they were they were completely apoplectic about in the media when Trump was president, not lying about irrelevancies, not lying about, uh, you know, personal peccadillos or whatever. No, lying about policy in ways that affect your life. This is central to what the Democrats do. It's central to their whole approach. And we go through this. And I, I heard uh, Senator Ted Cruz talking about it. The same thing every time. The NRA is a terrorist organization. You know, they trot out some some victims of other shootings or people who were near victims of other shootings, you know, uh, Hogg and, and others. And they they try to get somebody deplatformed who defends the Second Amendment. They try to scare some Republican members of Congress into abandoning the Second Amendment. And th- this is the, the, the push pull every time. Doesn't matter that the, the policies they propose wouldn't actually make anyone safer. Doesn't matter. It's about control and about them getting their way. Deal with it. That's what they really think. Here's Senator Ted Cruz talking about exactly this. Play 21. And every time there's a shooting, we play this ridiculous theater where this committee gets together and proposes a bunch of laws that would do nothing to stop these murders. Senator from Connecticut just said the folks on the other side of the aisle have no solutions. Well, the senator from Connecticut knows that is false. And he knows that's false because Senator Grassley and I together introduced legislation, Grassley-Cruz, targeted at violent criminals, targeted at felons, targeted at fugitives, targeted at those with serious mental disease to stop them from getting firearms, to put them in prison when they try to illegally buy guns. What happens in this committee after every mass shooting is Democrats propose taking away guns from law-abiding citizens because that's their political objective. But what they propose, not only does it not reduce crime, it makes it worse. It makes it worse. Here's another point I want to make for all of you. A lot of them know that, and they don't care. This is about control. This is about power. People are upset, they're scared, they're emotional. Democrats see those things, they, they recognize those realities, and it's an opportunity for them. You know, in, in the Congress, as you mentioned, the House of Representatives last week, for the second time, we've passed two important initial pieces on, on gun violence prevention. The problem is in the Senate. Even with a majority, a slim majority, because of the filibuster, it's going to be very, very difficult to get anything done. You know, the filibuster to, to many of us is a, a tool, an instrument for government gridlock. And um, we need action 
action and we need it right away. So what are you calling for today? Well, we need to do away with the filibuster. You know, the, what's, what's, what we're seeing happening in America is Republicans in the Senate are more interested in eroding voting laws and increasing um, gun rights when, you know, it really should be um, the other way around. We need to look at making sure that we have safe communities and that, that people aren't afraid and terrified of going to the grocery store or going to a school. And the majority of Americans support common sense gun violence prevention legislation, and, and but we, we can't get any Thing done in the Senate because a majority doesn't rule. It's the filibuster that rules. Oh, look at that. It's so convenient, isn't it? You know, the Democrats want to get rid of the filibuster. They want to steamroll the Republicans. They're looking for any opportunity to do this. And sure enough, this mass shooting in Boulder, Colorado is yet another another excuse, another attempt to dramatically change the way the United States Senate operates. Remember, they use the filibuster Uh, against Republicans on the Trump administration. Then it was fine. Then it was important. It was the system, you see. It was our sacred institutions. What do I keep telling you? This is about the raw exercise of power. Right? When I am weak, I ask for freedom because it is according to your principles. When I am strong, I demand obedience because it is according to my principles. That's how the Democrats do politics all the time. So this this notion that there are rules that we can expect them to abide by if they can get away with breaking them, there are principles that we share with them that they won't abandon at the first sign of, of it being inconvenient. You won't you might want to drop that entirely. They just don't have the ability to do some of these things. That's what stops them. They don't have the actual raw power. They know that the backlash would be too much for them. But here we are. At gun, gun, look, think of all the reasons they've given so far. And I'm talking about members of Congress, those who are involved in the process. Think of all the different ways that they've said to us, we need to get rid of the filibuster. They've said it's because of they, in favor of H.R. 1 for changing elections, dramatically federalizing elections and getting rid of essentially all election safeguards. D.C. statehood. That's another big one. We've got to get to D.C. statehood. Uh, they get rid of the filibuster for amnesty, of course. That's, I think, the most likely place they'll do it, uh, amnesty. Now it's get rid of the filibuster for gun control. Anything Democrats want to do, you'll notice, is a justification for getting rid of the filibuster if Republicans won't go along. What was one of the favorite lines of Obama for his eight years as president? The Republicans are obstructing, which was just a fancy way of saying Republicans won't do what I say. And that's bad. No, you can disagree. You can try to persuade. But the other political party, not just con- not just conceding. Not just deciding that they no longer stand for anything. Uh, that's not the expectation that anyone should have in this country. But this is where we are. But understand this, too. The emotionally driven Democrat Party is going to use the emotions of this moment People are very upset. It's very saddening. I know the police officer was killed in the Boulder uh, shooting at the <clears throat> grocery store. And, you know, he had seven kids. You had nine other people just going to get groceries killed, two in the parking lot, eight inside. It's, hor- it's horrible. It's absolutely terrible. And yet instead of seeing this for what it is and waiting to learn whether there even is a law that you could pass i mean it's illegal to murder people it's illegal to go into a store with a gun it's illegal there's a lot of things that i'm sure were illegal here but the the impulse to pass a law from the authoritarian democrat mindset isn't really so much to protect us it's to add to their own power because they're smart enough to figure out this isn't actually the laws they talk about you know a background check system for example that's what they say now here here's the colorado ag colorado unfortunately has a lot of um very left-wing people in high office play five we in colorado have a background check law but if people go to surrounding states they can get a weapon without having a background check that is a common sense measure that's supported by overwhelming majorities the fact that we didn't get such a law 
after prior mass shootings uh, is hard to understand. We need a federal law. I know that our members of Congress from Colorado have run on this issue, are committed to this issue. We need a national background check law because otherwise people can go to surrounding states and get a weapon without having to go through a background check, which makes sense. Get a weapon without having to go through a background check. They, they really want to pass this national background check law, universal background checks, which would mean that for any private transfer, uh, you would have to go to a federal, uh, a federal, federally licensed dealer. Uh, it would also mean in some versions of the bill that even if you were to lend a shotgun, let's say, to a friend to go hunting for the weekend, got to go to a you got to go to a licensed firearms dealer first to run the background check system. Uh, who thinks this is really going to stop crime? Somebody who wants to be a mass murderer or a mass shooter, uh, first of all, a lot of the time they would pass a background check, which we know has also happened. Second of all, they're willing to either steal or illegally get a firearm, and it's not hard to do with over 300 million firearms in circulation already in the United States. not difficult. So what does this really do? 99.9999999% of people are just going to be, you know, who go through this changed uh, bill situation are just going to be harassed. It doesn't stop anyone who's bad from doing anything bad. Well, remember that what happened was that President Trump spent four years dismantling the process uh, in president. Sorry, President Trump spent four years dismantling the peaceful, orderly process of allowing people to apply for asylum. For example, he cut funding to the Northern Triangle countries. He cut funding and shut down offices where immigrants could actually apply for asylum in their home countries without coming to the border. And so, you know, I'm very confident that President Biden is doing everything that he can, but frankly, he's cleaning up a mess that was left here there by President Trump and his systematic and inhumane attacks uh, on the immigration system. Blah, 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 just a bunch of nonsense. Just a bunch of nonsense. Senator Duckworth there. There are many, many others who are saying the same stuff. This is this is babble. OK, we, we all know what's happening here, but they're just trying. They're trying to convince you that the southern border, which is in crisis, which is looking like it's going to have more illegal migrants crossing than what you had in the during the Obama crisis and the Trump crisis combined. The worst the border has been in 20 years, according to people I know who devote their lives to immigration issues and and trying to secure our border. And they're telling you that this is Trump's fault because he dismantled the orderly process. It wasn't an orderly process. Senator Duckworth trying to debate this. I, I would love you. You know what? Let's we'll put it out there. She can come on the show. We can debate this. How orderly the process was. I was down there at the border. I saw how orderly the asylum process was. It was dozens, if not hundreds of people at a time showing up, waving down Border Patrol and then gaming the system and staying in the country and not showing up for immigration hearings. And even if they do show up, they probably get to stay anyway. All you have to do is get into the country. That's the whole game. Get out of custody, get into the country and you're home free. We know it. We've been through it. We've seen it. But they pretend the system was working well before. That's the part of this that, to me, is just... It's so obviously false, but they don't care. I know not everyone gets to spend, you know, or, or should spend, and I don't recommend this, hours and hours a day reading all this stuff. I have to do that. That's my job. So when I see this, it's, it's amazing to me because, in my head, I'm thinking, nobody who understands what has been happening at the southern border for the last 10 years, never mind the last three or four years, would ever say that that it was an orderly process that Trump destroyed. That's a laughably stupid statement. I mean, it really screams ignorance of what's going on, but it's actually worse than ignorance because I think it's it's malicious. It's lies. He's lying to you about this or rather giving you an assessment of the situation that is so fundamentally flawed that the best you can say for it is uh, she is doing this on purpose for political reasons. Protecting good old Joe Biden is what this is really all about. We're two months into the presidency, and what do you get? Open borders Joe. Right away, open borders Joe. They can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want about this to try to confuse things, to try to make you think that that's not what's really going on. 
<clears throat> Joe Biden is the cause of this crisis. And to say that this is orderly is just a huge lie. An- another part of this that I, I want to get to. You had Mayorka. Speaking of the lies around this, you had Mayorkas, who's the DHS chief, go on TV over the weekend, did the Sunday shows. We, we played a bunch of the clips for you yesterday from this. And Mayorka said, we're turning families away. And that to me, that's such a classically disingenuous lie. And, and the initial reporting that I had heard or that I had read was that it was about 60 percent uh, that were being led into the United States. Family units now, which is what most of the surge is. It's, the, the surge is family units and unaccompanied minors. There is not a huge surge of single adult males coming to the border. It's family units and unaccompanied minors. That's what's driving this giant increase in the numbers. Why is that? Because they know the system and they're exploiting seams, cracks in our system. And they're, in some cases, you know, selling custody of their children to the, uh, they're selling their, their children into the hands of the cartels, entrusting the cartels to get them to the border. There's this awful, awful uh, statistics. There are awful statistics about the amount of uh, sexual abuse that the children suffer. Because this is a long journey to go from Honduras to the U.S.-Mexico border. They're not hopping on a, on a flight and getting out after a couple of hours. I mean, they're traveling overland. So this journey that the caravans go through, for example, from Honduras, from Guatemala, from El Salvador, this takes weeks. And yet they tell us, Mayorkas t- tells us, that families are being turned away. And I said the initial figure, you'll remember if you listen, go back and check me yesterday. I, I said uh, the Axios figure that, that had initially been, been used is, um, was, was, o- was over 60%. I spoke to uh, Art Arthur yesterday of uh, the Center for Immigration Studies, and we, I talked to him. He said he, said he had also read that the, the figure was, this, he's an immigration expert, the figure was over 60% of families. And I kept asking him, I kept saying to him in that interview, well, how, why is it only 60 why is it that doesn't make sense to me? There's there's no way that even though that's a lot, right, that's a pretty good your odds are pretty good. Sixty percent, you get to stay in America forever. And, rem, and remember, you get expelled. You can just come back because this Biden administration is not going to have a problem. They just try it again. So, you know, your odds are really good if you come twice. But I said to you, I, I don't I don't believe and I. I was talking uh, on on the first TV yesterday about this with Art Arthur. I said, I, you know, I just have a hard time believing that 40 percent of families are getting turned away. No. On what grounds? Well, guess what? And remember, I told you yesterday also, I said they say it's in the 60s. I believe it's more like 70 or 80. You can. It'd be fun. Go back. If you're listening on radio, you can go back and listen to the Bucks Exton podcast. It's on the iHeart app. It's in the podcast, uh, Apple podcast store. Go back and listen to the first part of the show where I talk about this because I said they say it's over 60. I bet it's more like 80 percent. Guess what comes out today? Axios story, according to Byron York here, the Biden administration in the last week expelled 13 percent of migrant families in the past week. So when Mayorkas goes on TV and says we are expelling families, the reason he leaves out the number, which was a huge tell, it's very obvious what's going on here to anybody who understands these Democrats and how they play the game, is 87% of families are staying in the United States, left, led into the U.S., and they're home free. This is the cause of the crisis. 87% of families in the last week a hundred percent, really, of children. I mean, maybe it's ninety-nine percent, but unaccompanied minors are led in the United States. That's an open border, folks. That that's as as much an open border as anybody's ever seen anywhere, really, in a, in the modern world when we have some border enforcement. I mean, this is crazy. Eighty-seven percent of families get to stay. The whole family unit. This adds up. This makes sense. This I believe. I didn't believe that sixty was high, but not that high. Oh, yeah. Eighty seven percent. That sounds about right. Your odds are almost nine out of ten that if you get to the border, you're a family unit or you're claiming to be a family unit. 
you're going to be released in the American interior. That's a really good deal for people who want to skip the immigration line and come into a country that has rule of law, you know, not a lot of corruption. You know, the police aren't going to kidnap you and murder you here without incident. That stuff happens in Central America. That stuff happens in Mexico. Okay, we all know it. Uh, We have a better school system, better health care system. But the people who are arriving were supposed to have an immigration system for the benefit of America. And you are supposed to be able to ask in a, you know, other countries have merit based immigration systems. They give people points. They say, okay, here's what we think. And and it's like an admissions process for a college. Well, is that is that inherently racist? Is that wrong? Is that bad? Because Canada has one. Australia has one. Now, those countries also have asylum and refugee programs. Uh But this is not really going through the asylum and refugee program. This is abusing it. And it's dramatically expanding the numbers of what we would expect. But that's really what you need to know. Mayorkas goes on TV and says to you, looks at the American people through a camera in the eyes all across the country and says, we are expelling families at the border. That's what he said. Right. Nine out of ten families they're letting right into the U.S. within 72 hours. Does anybody think that this crisis is going to go away? Does anybody really think that this is going to change anytime soon? No, the reason the Democrats are frazzled right now, the reason the Biden administration is on defense is because we're actually seeing what's going on. We, we are aware of the situation and the circumstances right now because the facilities are overwhelmed and it's hard to hide that. Their challenge isn't isn't really about what the long term implications of this kind of migration are, because they're fine with that. Their problem is, hold on a second. If people figure this out. When we're telling them what to do about immigration down the line. Will they believe us when we want amnesty? Will they believe Democrats when they say there'll be increased enforcement at the border? How can you trust anything DHS Secretary Mayorkas says on behalf of the Biden administration when he makes the highly misleading claim that they're turning families away at the border, dot, dot, dot? Yeah, a few, 13 percent of them in the last week. The rest of the business of being in the Senate basically was just, you know, put aside. And I think we need to bring back a real legislative process. If you thought you had to actually stand up and vote on something, you'd actually work to get an amendment to change it, as opposed to saying, I don't even have to think about it. I'm just going to show up and, and I'm, I'm going to be part of a filibuster. That doesn't inspire cooperation. It just keeps people in their separate camps. So I think it's going to take a little bit of change in order to get to where people have to work together. And surprisingly, in my own mind, I think, you know, getting rid of the filibuster will actually have that result. See, totally normal. Change a process that when there are Democrats in charge, or rather when there are Republicans in charge, is absolutely sacred to to our institutions and is necessary for defending the rights of political the political minority from majoritarian tyranny and all that stuff. And then, oh, my gosh, Democrats are in charge. And all of a sudden it's, whoa, let's let let's cooperate more. This is like their unity claim. Remember what the unity claims were like when Biden came into office? Unify with us or else. You better you better like this unity that we're going to enforce upon you or we're coming after you. That was the way it was done. That was what they were saying. There was no reaching across the aisle to try to find common ground. It was our the, the ground that you will find is our ground. That's the left's approach. There's no common ground. You wanted to be common. Come where we are and do what we tell you. That's reaching across. the. They're going to reach across the aisle to pull you to their side and make you obey. And Hillary, hello, she's back. Hillary's there just to tell you exactly that. You know, now now it's. Oh, yeah, we should just get rid of the filibuster so that Democrats. Here's what they know. Democrats believe and they're, they're This is pretty widespread among them that they can get uh, or if they can get to a place where um, they get rid of the filibuster and they just run the table on legislation. I mean, they steamroll the Republicans for the next two years, roughly that it's it's worth it to them because they can enact 
structural changes that will offset any backlash from their authoritarian madness. Right. So, yeah, people might say, wow, Democrats are really going for broke here. They're really running roughshod. They're they're using the steamroller approach to the political opposition and even changing the rules of the game as they're playing it, which is what eliminating the filibuster now is all about. But the Democrat calculation here, and I think people need to understand this is, well, <clears throat> if they get H.R. 1 and if they get amnesty and if they get gun control and if they get, you know, you go down this list, if they get D.C. statehood, it's worth it. Whatever backlash they're concerned about receiving from the other side is worth it. They should just accept it. They should just handle it. Uh, because they'll win over the long term. These are structural changes to our politics. That's what they're trying to accomplish. They, they make it so we're in a different political environment in this country going forward. Not just for an election, for all elections. That's the whole point. And R- Rashida Tlaib, for example, uh, is out there saying that anyone who opposes D.C. statehood which is just stacking two Senate votes, among other things, stacking two Senate votes in the Democrat column. That's why they want it. She's very upset about this. Play 15. In opposing D.C. statehood, which is overwhelmingly supported by the people of Washington, these representatives and their dark money backers over the Heritage Foundation, that's right, are telling over 700,000 Americans to sit down, shut up, and enjoy this authoritarian system implemented by a bunch of elites who thought it was okay to enslave people for their selfish monetary gain hundreds of years ago. It is shameful that anyone would claim to support democracy and freedom and oppose statehood. That anyone would support democracy and freedom and oppose statehood here. So when the Constitution is an argument the Democrats have in their favor on some issue, which is rare. But when they when they think they can make a constitutional argument, it's our sacred democracy and our institutions. When, as is the case here, the founding fathers explicitly made clear that D.C. statehood was not the intent. And this is addressed in the Federalist Papers. This is this is addressed in our founding uh, during our founding by the great minds that were behind our, our system of government. Then it's, oh, they're a bunch of former slave owners and we can't. Well, who cares what they had to say? Let's make D.C. a state. The principle at work, whatever Democrats want is justified. There is no principle. Whatever they want to do, that's what they should do. If it enhances their power, if they get their way, justify it after the fact. We don't even justify it at all. Just do it. Just cram it down the other side's throat and tell them to deal with it. This is the this is the Biden approach on a whole range of issues. And it's just getting started. What is the latest and what should we uh, take from this shooting in Boulder, Colorado, the politics around this and the way that it's already being used by Democrats who see this as an opportunity to push an agenda while also not caring about the fact that many of them jumped to conclusions right away on this one and were Incorrect. Our friend Kurt Schlichter is with us now, senior columnist at townhall.com, army veteran, lawyer, and guy who knows some things. Mr. Schlichter, good to have you back. Uh, good, to, good to be here, Buck. It's kind of a sad day, but uh, I think it's important that we talk about this stuff. I think it is, too, because I was trying to uh, shed some light on the Christy Nome nonsense, and I'll talk to you about that, too, uh, last night on yep. social media. Because I thought she had an, an abominable showing on Tucker Carlson's uh, Tucker Carlson's Just program. Awful. We'll, we'll, we'll get awful. to that. We'll get to that in a moment. But I, I say something about that. I didn't even. I hadn't even res- said anything about the shooting in Boulder. I hadn't read about it. Didn't know about it. I just was following the stories that I was following. And I have all these people saying, "Yeah, you know, maybe you should actually spend some time thinking about the white supremacist Trump supporter that just shot a bunch of people in Boulder, Colorado, as if that." in any way attached to what I was talking about, which is transgender sports in South Dakota. But anyway, that's just the way this seems to go. Now we find out the guy's name is Ahmad Al-Issa, and he frequently posted, according to journalist Andy No, on social media about Islamophobia and oppression of him because of his devout Islamic faith. 
I don't know that this goes in the white supremacist Trump supporter category, Kurt. I think it's safe to say that we should wait until more facts are in. Well, you know, if this was a good faith argument instead of a blatant power grab and a lie, uh, I, I would agree with you. But of course, it's beyond the point. It, 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 it's not even close to the point. Truth is just a bourgeois concept, a buck. It doesn't matter. Now, I, I want to be really clear here. A lot of conservatives are uh, pointing out the, the hypocrisy and the lies uh, that have been used against them. But th- this is not uh, – we, we are not doing the same thing they are doing. We are not blaming all Muslims because this one particular idiot uh, went out and did something horrific for which uh, I, I hope he hangs. Uh, we are pointing out that the narrative that the left attempts to make is a lie. It's an attempt to grab power. It doesn't rely on facts. It relies on blatant dishonesty, and it it is immune to reason. So I don't believe in reasoning with them. I believe in mocking them, and that's what we're doing. And, you know, I think normal people are seeing it, Buck. I think normal people are going, yeah, well, they've lied to me again and again and again, and this is just the latest one. And I'm hoping that this nonstop barrage of lies helps people wake up. And I see the the uh, initial Democrat leadership response to this in Congress and, you know, the Democrat media. And it's all the, it's all the stuff that we always oh, this this needs to be the grounds for pushing a national national universal background check or this. This shows that, you know, Donald Trump's rhetoric or you know, they, they do all these things. And there's no accountability for this now. I mean, no one apologizes. No one cares. You know, we don't know. Maybe this guy passed a background check. Maybe he actually went in and, you know, and and actually sat down and bought a gun legally through the process. But people didn't know that he was a psychopathic, murderous lunatic. And so he managed to buy a gun. But they're still saying, oh, background checks. Right. And and if it turns out that I'm right in my prediction, I don't know that this guy probably got this gun legally. They're still going to say there needs to be a background check system. So you say, well, if the incident is not the reason for this new push, why are you tying the incident to the political push for background checks in the first place? I mean, I think we know the answer, but it's worth pointing out for everybody. Well, look, it's a fact free environment. Look, we're not going to reason our way uh, uh, to convince these people of anything because they're not trying to be reasonable. They're trying to exercise power. They're trying to exercise power by disenfranchising us and disarming us. Uh, they, they at the same time they want to defund the police, which is just amazing. Uh, the idea that the solution to uh, terrorist violence is to make ourselves more vulnerable to terrorist violence by disarming us is, is insane if you're being reasonable. If your purpose is to create a nation of serfs, then it is a terrific, terrific idea to proceed this way. Because they want us vulnerable, they want us scared, they want us unable to defend our liberty and our lives. That's what they want. How do I know? Because that's what they tell me on social media. This isn't a fantasy. I'm not drawing conclusions. I'm simply repeating what I hear uh, directed against me and other people on social media. They like this. They like the idea of us being afraid and cowering. Look at what's happened over the last year. This whole COVID thing with people locked inside and terrified, this gives them more power, and they like it. I think that, and we're speaking to Kurt Schlichter. He's a senior columnist at townhall.com, Army veteran and lawyer. Uh, I think, Kurt, that now more than ever, I've been saying this to people, the idea of the Second Amendment as a, as a, a check on government tyranny should be taken very, you know, it's not that it should ever have not been taken seriously, but it should be more apparent to us why that need exists. When you have the government, as we've seen for the last 12 months, telling you that you cannot go to church, that they will they will actually, they were in some parts of the country, they were threatening to arrest you if you gathered with more than five family members in your own home, that they will arrest you if you try to open your business, you know, for the crime of wanting to serve food to people that are looking to buy it from you, uh, that they will take away your freedom. They will destroy your business because a bunch of little lab coat tyrants, because little Fauci, the fascist says so uh, that should be a wake up call to everybody. And I mean that. I mean, this government, this government locked people away in nursing homes and then filled nursing homes with people with covid in places like new york and new jersey and now we're seeing michigan 
And if you had a problem with that, if you were trying to protest against it, they were willing to lock you up in jail. That's the actual government we're dealing with. An armed citizenry is a key to preventing tyranny. However, I mean, it it is a backstop. It's not had to be, I guess you could arguably uh, uh, say it's been used once or twice in very, very small uh, incidents like Athens, Tennessee. Uh, We are so now the fact that we are so far away from having to use armed violence to protect our rights is uh, uh, not to say that that could never happen. That that needs to be there as a, a final backstop. But, Buck, we've got a whole bunch of other things. We can still, at least in at least outside of big blue cities, elect representatives who support our interests. We can still appeal to the courts. Sometimes we'll get a fair hearing. All uh, We can still speak our mind sometimes. Uh, there are still things that we can do and we should be doing. However, none of that, the, the, the mere fact that we are not completely oppressed by now, right now does not eliminate the fact that that could happen down the road. I believe that every healthy, law-abiding uh, American adult who, who is, is willing to bear arms because there's some people who are conscientiously object to it uh, should be armed and ready to defend themselves, their family, their community, and their constitution if necessary. I lived through the L.A. riots. I saw what happened when order broke down. It's not a hypothetical. I had some. I had some lib from uh, uh, some website. Going, you talk about these 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 collapses of society, and they never seem to happen. Well, I got. I, I spent three weeks in the streets in Los Angeles with an M16. It, it happens. It's not common. But all I can say is, an American uh, uh, who was carrying in that supermarket yesterday might have been able to stop it. Yes, I know an armed policeman was shot and killed, and several others were wounded. Uh, the uh, you know, carrying weapons does is not uh, uh, a, a 100% guarantee that you will always be victorious over a uh, criminal, terrorist, or other uh, uh, violent scumbag. Uh, but it does give you a fighting chance. And I believe every American should do two things. Every American should be able to uh, lawfully use violence in the rare, rare occasions it's necessary to defend life and liberty. And I believe every American should be trained and, and keep themselves proficient on basic life-saving techniques. That is our job as citizens. You know, Buck, it's like we've given over so much of what it means to be an American citizen. Uh, to other people. We've outsourced it to the police or the EMTs or the teachers or somebody else. But democracy is hard work. Freedom is hard work. As citizens, we have to be able to stand up and take a personal stand. And that's why I believe that every American should have the right to keep and bear arms. And that includes carrying a, a concealed or open weapon uh, uh, in order to lawfully be able to enforce the law and protect the uh, defenseless. We're speaking to Kurt Schlichter, townhall.com senior columnist and a former, uh, well, he's still a lawyer, actually, and uh, a United States Army veteran. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess you're a lawyer for life, Kurt. Uh, let's let's switch. Let, let's put Sorry. your lawyer hat on here for a moment to what happened with Christy Noem last night. Uh, I've been critical of her on, on social media before the Tucker interview. She went on the Tucker interview to say, you know, to, to say her uh, her side of things. I will also point out that the comparisons with Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, I think, have always been overblown. Florida is the fourth largest state in I'm sorry, the third largest state actually in the country and has major cities like Miami and Tampa and, and others. Uh, South Dakota, lovely place, lovely people, has the population um, less than the population of San Jose, California, and has an actual population density that's right along what you'd expect in an island chain in the south pacific now i know a lot of south dakotans love that that's very uh different for the purposes of dealing with covid than what you have in florida okay so put that aside for a second i think people were way too oh she's so great she's withstanding the pressure it's an entirely red state and you know there's there's 11 people every mile or something which is totally different what you get in other places all right on this transgender bill uh, which would protect transgender, which would protect women from competing against transgender males in sports. She claims that this is because she can't win a lawsuit against the NCAA. That's why she did it. What do you make of that claim? Because she, she sent it back for, um, for style revisions or whatever it's called, right? She sent it back down, wouldn't sign it. What do you make of this? I, 
I, I think she, uh, I, I think she has blown it. I think she has uh, completely screwed this up. I think she's destroyed her chances. Now, you and I were both at CPAC. I don't know if you met her. I met her when she walked through the bar. Got my picture with her. She's a tiny little thing. I looked like the Incredible Bulk next to her. Uh, but uh, I was unimpressed. I, 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 I've I always, been, I've was, always uh, been out unimpressed. Of her always. I don't yeah, get it. I, 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 I was, you know, I was willing to give her a hearing, and I understand it's a small state. Uh, maybe she had some good ideas, but uh, I, I, she made no connection with the activists uh, who were hanging out there, and she seemed distinctly uncomfortable with people who were, you know, ideological. Uh, there's been a lot of hype about her. Uh, I, I think uh, uh, she has shown here that uh, she will roll over under pressure. This idea about, well, I'd lose a lawsuit. Well, how do you know? How do you know what the lawsuit is? Uh, and, and are you telling me it's not worth fighting for? That we just, just oh, well, it's going to be hard. We should give in. Sorry, I don't need that as a president. I don't need that at all. I think she really messed herself up, uh, and I think it's going to take a lot for her to come back and fix it. You know, if this bill was terrible, why was she not working with the Republicans to fix it before it this got is what, This is what I've said. I so, mean, this is sometimes, you know, the answer with, without even getting that deep into the details here, Kurt, because there's no way that she just figured out in the last few yeah. days that there was this big problem of lawsuits in the NCAA. I mean, it's laughable. Anybody who believes that is being put on. I mean, they're being they're being fooled. Well, it's like saying, yeah, I'm incompetent, but in a different way, because I can't work with my own, you know, deep red legislature to get uh, laws passed that I want. That's that's her argument. That's why it's better. Uh, I found her appearance on uh, Tucker overly rehearsed. Uh, I thought it was smarmy, group. too. I, I thought she was smarmy, it and I, totally I don't think Tucker was being unfair to her. Sending. Yeah. No, it was totally condescending. I thought Tucker was actually very easy on her. I thought he let her talk and talk and talk. I mean, I, I don't expect him to be a cross-examiner. Uh, you know, he brings a guest on. They should say what they want. He should ask tough questions, which he did. I was distinctly unimpressed, uh, and I think she uh, I think she believes we're stupid. I think she thinks that we are stupid, and we're going to take another jab. Uh, I've got an article in Town Hall coming out on her on Thursday. Uh, and it, it, it's not going to be pretty. I'm, I'm greatly disappointed, but I'm glad too. I'm glad that we found this out now instead of being disappointed after we elected her. Look, people don't understand why we like Donald Trump. It wasn't the TV show. We don't watch that crap. It wasn't because he was an ideological conservative. He was not. It wasn't because of his mean tweets. Okay, maybe a little about his mean tweets. It was because he stood behind us and did what he said he was going to do. She said, I'm going to sign this bill, and then she changed her mind. Then she folded under pressure. To yeah. the NCAA, the Chamber Amazon, of Commerce, Amazon, Chamber of Commerce, corporate interests. You know, she wants to be I, in tight with them. I think I, we can all see what happened here. I think I, I look, I, I hope that people realize I hope people realize who, who she really is as a politician now. I don't know. It's not personal. I don't care. But this is not this is not the leader we need. we got to leave it there, Kurt. Uh, but check out Kurt's column at townhall.com. Mr. Schlichter, thank you so much, sir. Thanks for having me.